Welcome back to Geek Life. And 4Js in the Comic, the Waterfront Comics podcast. All right. So we're doing another combo meal with our friends from 4Js. This is the Geek Life podcast. We invited a couple of our friendly co-hosts from their friendly neighborhood comic book shop, Waterfront Comics in Sassoon, California. The podcast over there is 4Js in a Comic. And so we've got John Harder with us today. Hello, everyone. And Justin Woods. Hello. Justin Woods also has an awesome podcast about heavy metal called Ask a Metalhead. You can go to askametalhead.com and check that out. He does it with his son, Zachary, who's here today with us. Hello. And of course, I'm JP, your host. With me, as always, is my fearless co-host, Marcus. Entertaining like a T-Rex boxing match. And back again is the original co-host of the Geek Life podcast, The Brian. The Brian. Challenge. (laughs) It feels 110% more awesome in here with Brian. He does. He exudes awesome. I yes. thought you were gonna say 110% more awesome. Now that he said chunk on chi, I was like, <laughs> I don't know where Basically, to go with that. Basically, in Vietnamese, I butchered "hello everyone." Uh, so, <laughs> hello. I everyone. thought chunk on cheek was like a new mm. sexual thing. We we're talking. I wouldn't about. think that you would use Vietnamese and butchered in the same sentence. <laughs> it's a crazy ass language. In fact, the last part, the chi sound, is actually like a combination between a C, a hard C, and a CH sound. I do not have the vocabulary acrobatics to pull that off at the moment, so yeah. that's why it's butchered. And that's why you don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, kidding. He's chunking on cheek, Justin. <laughs> chunking on cheek. <laughs> what inspired you to lo- to learn Vietnamese other than just the awesomeness of it? I'm half Vietnamese. Really? Yes. That is that is why he is the oh. Brian, the half Asian sensation that's sweeping the nation. You that's can right. see in his how, eyes. Did, how did I not know this after all these years? Because he doesn't look <laughs> fucking Asian at all. <laughs> yeah, can't you see it in my like you know skin color and and my, general German look? Well, I, my general German look. I have German. never met met any of the Brian's parents. So so Brian is half German and half Vietnamese. But he speaks English. He's Germanese. He's Germanese. He looks a little bit like Penn. Is is your mother Vietnamese or your father? Yes, my mother is. His mother is Vietnamese. She's about half his height, and she is incredibly scary. And she probably cooks. She, her her, her like nickname is quite literally the Little General. Like she runs shit. Yeah, she's she was, the boss always. If she's in the room and anything's happening, she's in charge. Well, I'm not very familiar with Vietnamese parenting. I am familiar with Filipino parenting. Did your mom ever beat you with? With with the flip-flop shoe? Not with the flip-flop or, 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 shoe. Oh, I like it's not with the flip-flop shoe. Well, what, about, what about with I the I like wo- that he said Filipino. Like two, like Filipino. Yeah, isn't isn't that, that Nick, Nick Pino family, man? Isn't that Nick Pino's brother, Philip? <laughs> uh, all right, gentlemen, today we're talking about... Today we're talking about Guns of Shadow Valley. Which, which is not half Vietnamese either. No, and there are no flip-flops in this comic. John first came to me a while back talking about this comic when he supported it on Kickstarter, which is what, over a year ago? When actually, when we did our first, very, very first 4Js episode, we talked about how we I supported the Kickstarter for the Greg Rucka Lady Saber book. Right. And then this one was recommended as well and went to the website and loved it and Kickstarted it for 30 bucks. And, and you finally, after a long wait, got a gorgeous hardback it is beautiful and then two weeks later it was published by dark horse for anyone to get in the comic book store now is it basically the same exact thing or is there something special for the kickstarter condition the the kickstarter one has a different cover a thank you page acknowledgement and we got a sketch and some cool like wanted stickers in it but for all intents and purposes the guts of the book pretty much the same. same yeah yeah 
So, John, since you were the original person to come and talk to us about this, why don't you give us the rundown? What is The Guns of Shadow Valley? It began as a webcomic from, surprisingly enough, gunsofshadowvalley.com. <laughs> and going to the about link on the page. I've got it written, I've got it all written down on my phone. I'm going to pass the baton to you then. Since oh, okay. You, since right. I'm waiting for it to come up. Somewhere I'm in the mysterious Shadow Valley lies a secret that could forever change the face of the frontier. Dun, dun, dun! To protect that secret, a posse of gunmen with special abilities must come together and defend against a tribe of ghostly warriors, an advancing army led by the deranged colonel and the perils of the valley itself. The Guns of Shadow Valley is an exciting Western adventure series from the creators of Scar Tissue. Set in the I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. Set in the 1870s, Guns is a tale of intrigue and adventure that puts a new spin on the Old West. The Guns of Shadow Valley was nominated for the Eisner Award for Best Digital Comic in 2010 and for the Harvey Award for Best Online Comics Work in 2011. The collected hardcover edition will be published, or has been published at this point, by Dark Horse Comics this year in 2014. And you can just march right downstairs and buy it, John. Do you have it here? Yes, I do. Yeah, buddy. So this was created, co-created by Dave Watcher and James Andrew Clark. I love Dave Watcher's artwork throughout oh, the book. Very, unbelievable. Very cool. It is really good. Yes. It's real good. I actually liked it quite a bit. I'm super excited to talk about the art. However, we first always talk about the writing and the story. So why don't we start with John Zachary. Harden. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Zach, what did you think about the comic, man? It was really good. It was amazing. I love the artwork, and I like the characters he put into it. Yeah, I think that one of the things that stood out to me when I first started reading it, on the very first page, those two guys that were doing, like, what was it, prospecting or something yeah, like they, that? they ended up having nothing else to do with the rest of the story. No. And There's pieces of that throughout. Yeah. 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 And it was cool because the conversation between the two characters was so natural, mm -hmm. so organic. And ongoingly, it was like that. Every mm -hmm. time that, you know, we, we first meet our main character, Frank or Franklin Breakneck Kelly is the gunslinger that really sort of starts off the story as he stumbles into this town nearby Shadow Valley. And he gets basically accosted. Well, he kind of picks a fight with some local ruffians. He gets and, drunk and insults someone's mama. Yeah. <laughs> and He's perpetually drunk. He is perpetually drunk. Yeah. He, he even gets all spruced up to work with the sheriff later on and... The first thing he does is go, oh, almost respectable. And then he grabs <laughs> he grabs his flask and glug, glug, glug. And he goes, who am I kidding? <laughs> but yeah, the, the dialogue, like you were saying, Zach, is very, very believable. Very, you know, natural conversation, which is nice. It's a, the writers here obviously have very much of a talent for creating believable dialogue and believable conversation that doesn't feel stiff and awkward and expositional or anything like that. It definitely just feels sort of natural, like you get into the groove and you feel like you can get a sense of who these characters are, what they're about, all that kind of stuff. Anything else to stand out to you, Zach, before we move on? Um, the fact that Frank doesn't really do anything special in the whole thing except like just... Be an insanely good shot. You never really see him like shoot anybody in the thing, but like Cooper, the sniper, he's really good. Like he he... Throughout the whole thing, never misses a shot. Like Yeah, they call him Kill Shot Cooper, right? Yeah, they call him. Because if he shoots somebody, he hits them, and if he hits them, they die. And I like how the big guy, the, um, I forgot his name, the, the. The Asian rail worker? Yeah, the guy that's, oh man, he's insanely huge. Yeah. Yeah, I like how he turns to the good side, like going on Bill's side, helping Frank and them. Mm-hmm. 
So essentially, we've got something going on in Shadow Valley, and you got a posse that goes in there to kind of get shit done. Right, John? So, John, you've read it all. Go ahead and tell us a little bit more about the story. Don't give away too much of the sort of end game, if you can. I read it all, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, he did. He he was reading it on the way, like, finish up the last little bit of it on the way over here. And I was like, and I was like, well, don't get too far ahead of me. And he goes, it's too good. I want to finish it. (laughs) What I liked about it, it's, it's a, you know, it's your classic Western trope. You think, you think, you think, yeah. And then you're introduced to Frank and he's the quintessential, you know, I can draw my guns quicker than you can see. Right. Quick draw McGraw. Quick. But then it's actually the quickest man in the West, basically revealed down the line that not he's, it's because he's superhumanly fast, like mm-hmm. the Flash. Yeah, actually superhumanly it's, fast. And why he's always drunk is that's the way he can slow down the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. And I then, didn't think of it like that, actually. And then we're also introduced to other characters where you think you know one thing about them, but it's revealed later on down the road. Like Bill Dawson, you think, is the classic sheriff, but you find out he's been there for over 100 years down the road and hasn't aged. So there's there's a lot of supernatural elements yeah. that as you move deeper into the story reveal themselves. Yeah. You know, sometimes I had to go back and be like, okay, I totally missed that to like catch back up with it. So yeah. this is a kind of book that you could read and reread yeah. and go deeper and learn more. And there's just, it's an onion you can keep on peeling. It would have driven me crazy when it's original release schedule of a page a week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we talked about that in previous 4Js. It's and I think we've, brutal. Talk, we've talked about that in... Like my very first, like very, yeah, very, very talked about it on all the podcasts. Inevitably, there's there's a huge amount of frustration with that trying to keep up with a web comic, and they do a page a week or even two pages a week. It's just like, oh, it's the worst. I mean, we think it's bad having to wait one month for twenty six pages, twenty four pages, but yeah. a page a week is brutal. And then I guess about halfway through this, you know, they ran out of money. That's why they kickstarted it was to be able to finish it to get the book done. Yeah. So I'm glad that I supported it that way. So it was able to to finish this up to to read the story. Cause I think it was around chapter four or five was up when I was aware of it a year ago on Kickstarter. So and how many chapters are there total? Like seven in an epilogue. It's big. I mean the book is over two hundred pages. Yeah. And it's two hundred Double pages. Right. Kind of like how... They're the, like widescreen pages. Yeah, it's widescreens, much like how 300 was the first one that I mm-hmm. was, became aware of that when they did that. So it's in a it's in a widescreen... It's great in print yeah. and works pretty good on a computer screen, but on a tablet, it's it's a little awkward. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that's it worked really well on... When I read it, I read the, the PDF that they sent me for the book. Like right? on the, on the uh, computer screen. And I read screen, it on my, on my 20-inch... Yeah, computer screen. It looked wonderful. It is. It's a very beautiful, very beautiful comic. And it's a web comic, so you can read it for free, for online, free online at this very moment mm-hmm. at gunsofshadowvalley.com. Yeah, Marcus, you look like you want to say something. No, I uh, I'm gonna be the the black sheep of this group. I you thought the artwork. <laughs> I thought the artwork was amazing, but as soon as I got the gimmick of X Men in the Old West, I got bored real quick. I kind of. I didn't actually finish the, the end. I got to the point where I was like, I just, I don't want to read this anymore. And then I put it down and didn't go back to it. I got into the chapter that steered away from the group and went into um, the past of like the magic in the old West. And then I stopped. I don't think I've gotten that far. I'm still mystified by what the green rock is. And, you know, but I've been reading it's, it. It's all revealed. Of, yeah. It's all yeah. Revealed. I haven't gotten, I, I've been reading it. I'm thinking I'm in chapter Five. I'm. They go through this really interesting story of these two Indian brothers 
that's yeah. very beautifully, you know, that's written. Where Marcus, I think that, yeah, yeah, that's where I stopped. Yeah. So that's where I'm just a few pages after that. That That's the actual where they reveal what the secret of Shadow Valley is. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. cool. Oh, I've been enjoying it. But anyway, continue, Marcus. No, I just, uh, the artwork is obviously amazing. And even the, you know, the story is an, an interesting take on, you know, the basically I'm going to call them mutant powers and just hope that Fox doesn't sue me. And it's all well and good. I just think I... I'm not that great into westerns, which could be what completely biased my opinion towards the story. It just it was yeah, it's like it was, westerns and superheroes. You're like, Ugh. you know, the, I, we're running out of themes, sort of, and so <laughs> they're like, well, well, let's put superheroes with zombies and superheroes in in you know noir period and fifties and there's a lot and, of fusion comics yeah. these days going on. Yeah, so I was like, okay, superheroes in the old west, that's cool. Well, zombies are the new Germans. They really so are. Always the new Nazis, for yeah, sure. Yeah, the new Nazis. For sure. What's next will be... I mean, we can't... You know, we have this whole PC thing in the United States, which is fine, and it's good. But you, you can't... It can't always be, you know, sort of like the Islamic terrorists. Like, that gets old. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to play video games and read comics, too, so... Yeah. <laughs> You've got to have an unsympathetic villain. Yeah, you can, you can kill zombies. Yeah. You can kill the hell out of them. For the writing for me, finish having read the whole thing through, mm-hmm. I did think towards the end, there was a little bit of a pacing problem where it seemed like Everything was coming down at once. Yeah. So it just felt rushed rushed at the end. end. It rushed at the end. And it was because there was all this buildup. And then it felt like it probably could have used another chapter or so. But I understand that, you know, it was because they wanted to wrap it up and get the book done and all that. But it just seemed like there was a lot more story to be told. For for a while, it just got confusing. So I just kind of stopped reading it and then kept reading on the next day. I said, okay. It's getting a little bit unconfusing, so yeah. So in the part, the blacksmith, he's working on something. I think he's working. Yeah, he's working on a sniper rifle, and he has a green rock, rock in like a concealed ball thing. And these green rocks are basically magical rocks, yeah. right? Yeah. And then From suddenly, yeah, and, and then suddenly it explodes, and we never find out what happened. Yeah, that was just like a plot point that was left. Just yeah. like, see ya. Yeah, yeah. Well, sort of like. Oh yeah, it did blow up. That's right. He was kind of looking at it and went kaboom. I was thinking that it didn't. He was just kind of like looking at it like it was doing. So do you, do you think that leaving loose ends open like that could be a piece of or maybe a victim of them rushing at the end? Or? I think it was a victim of putting it out one page a week and then, you know, running out of money and time or mm-hmm. whatever and then picking it up to do. You know, I'm sure that there was plot points that were, you know, as a creator, I'm sure that when Marcus was doing Mallow Man, there was plot points that may have got abandoned from issue one issue five three years down the road yeah that was called the plot <laughs> <laughs> well i think i think well, the thing it's nice also to... with this the last panel says the end question mark oh, so i'm assuming that there's going to be a guns of shadow valley 2 electric boogaloo coming down the line at some well, i mean there's probably a lot more money coming in now that they're being published by dark horse yeah hopefully hopefully they can you know meet the minimums and keep on trucking i'm going to give quick spoiler here so if you want to turn down your podcast and just the, jump ahead one yeah, minute. Yeah, jump ahead, ahead one minute. Earmuffs. But the ending was very strange because very. the characters are now all in 1930s Chicago haven't aged. Well, here's an mm. interesting thing. It might not be a when but a where thing because two reasons that I say that is because the railroad company that the bad guys are kind of working with, they mention a guy named Mr. Dumont. And so I actually kind of looked it up and Mr. Dumont owned a railroad company 
Harry Dumont was his name. He owned a railroad company called like Tonopah and Tidewater Railroad. So he was actually a real historical figure. He was a real historical figure. And that company started in 1906 and went to the 40s. And it went through Death Valley and other parts of Nevada. So Shadow Valley could be part of Death Valley. That would make sense. Yeah. But the other thing is that if you look at some history in the West, there's a guy named Bill Tillman, who was the sheriff in Dodge City after uh, Wyatt Earp. He actually got killed in Oklahoma as a beat cop by a prohibition gang. So, you know, he was a Wild West sheriff who eventually became a beat cop for a city. So it's like you can technically, it could technically be more of a where rather than a when. Yeah, like the two worlds aren't that far apart. Interesting. Thank well, you, I mean, Definitely, you know, whenever you get to the frontier, it is it is a dramatically different world, big time. You know, you push to the edges and the fringes of society, and it, it's, it's totally different than what we see in the sort of metropolitan sort of areas. Malaman's going to go Old West in the next issue. That's yes! it. That's it, because you love Old West and you want to spend a year working on an Old West comic. You've pissed it. Exactly right. <laughs> with mutants and superheroes. Oh, with, right. with mutants and He's going to ride a pretzel horse. Exactly. <laughs> and you can have the gun shoot Tapatio. Oh, that's Oh, it. man. Imagine, like, Malaman shooting a Tapatio gun that gets in people's eyes. Sriracha. That could be his. That could be his signature yell. Sriracha. <laughs> squirt, squirt. I like the idea of him shooting bullets in the people's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that always that always tends to put him down pretty quick. So I mean, it sounds like it's a really interesting story. It goes into some odd directions that you're not expecting if you're going in there thinking like, oh, it's so conventional western. Like, nope. And then at the end, it suffers a little bit from some rushing and loose strings of story plot left open yeah. and maybe they'll get filled in later but i'm I'm getting on the whole that despite a handful of shortcomings it's mostly a pretty strong comic yeah yeah i enjoyed yeah. it i'm just gonna i'm gonna finish reading it. i'll definitely continue finishing yeah, me too. it's just a matter of and the price is certainly right if you want to read it online that's right. for sure yeah. that's for sure i felt like the pacing was inconsistent like john said towards the end it was rushed but there was that um there were a couple chapters where it felt like the pacing was just a bit too slow, especially compared to the rest of the... You're supposed stuff. to just read those a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> but the page oh, will only load so fast. <laughs> That's all I control, yeah, pacing. Brian, when, you, when, when you're reading a comic book, pacing is up to you, man. Don't you know this stuff? Oh, my bad. You get to go my back bad. to comic book 101. You just have to read in slow motion. <laughs> I'm staring at understanding comics right in front of me. There you go. <laughs> that is a good book. That is required By reading Scott for anybody McLeod. who wants to uh, understand comics. <laughs> it's a square picture with some words. You have mastered it. Oh, I want to punch you in the face right now. That's That's it. You got it. All right. So all that it is. One guy draws it. The other guy traces it. (laughs) Done. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. I've never seen you that red before. That's exactly how it is. Anger is good for you. (laughs) So any other final thoughts about the story of uh, Guns of Shadow Valley before we move on to the art? No. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead? Go ahead. Zach was going to say something. Go. 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 You know the colonel, like with the really cool arm. Mm. I just had to say, like he's so badass, he can't die. Well, he's just invincible. Yeah. Well, first of all, he's fighting a grizzly, and he gets basically thrown off the cliff with the grizzly, and still comes out. Back memories. And then he gets a. (laughs) (laughs) Then he gets a slash like across his face. He still lives. So he's basically just like this invincible dude with a metal arm thing. He's really, really. It's not that he's invincible. He's just hard to kill. He's a badass. He's just very lucky. He's and like, lucky, yeah. He's like Liam Neeson. 
<laughs> he, just, he landed on top of the bear and gave it a big bear. There's lots of great stories of people in the Wild West that were impossible to kill, you know, or you couldn't kill them with bullets or something like that. And they just kept coming back. You have these fights that you think they'd be dead and then bam, they're back again. Well, part oh, like, of that, oh. part of that from a technical perspective was because they used pistols that didn't have rifle barrels and they used shot that was horribly inaccurate. And you had to be literally right on top of people in some cases to actually hit them with a bullet. Yeah. And so, and you know, then they discovered there's some, there's a lot of medical discoveries that happened during that time period as well Yeah. to keep people alive, such as boiling water when you are giving birth to a baby so that you have, you know, they've dropped the mortality rate significantly for finding little simple stuff. The invention of penicillin, et cetera, et cetera. Though I don't know what the I'm time still, frame on that was. What's but. boiling water for? Yeah. Sterilization. Yeah. Wait, you just throw it on her? Like while she's giving birth? I, just no, throw I, boiling I'm water. I'm not being sarcastic at all right now. I have two children and I'm not ashamed to say I have no fucking clue why people say to boil water when the baby's coming. I thought it was just to keep me busy. Sterile. You like, boil Marcus, water the and kitchen. wash your hands in sterile water. <laughs> boil the water and just stare at it because you're no fucking help in here. That's right. Oh, <laughs> the baby lived. No, dude, it was about sterility. It was about sterilizing instruments, sterilizing your hands. You wouldn't put your hands in boiling water, but you would wash them. It was all about the, abil- the realizing that some germs were killed by heat. I thought it went to like an old school like home birthing thing because my life my wife likes to give birth in a in a home tub and we never have enough hot water in our on our water heater so we would fill it up with water and then I'd throw boiling water inside uh, and that would help heat it up and I was like so they get the, the boiling water and you're I, like oh I know I what this thought is for. I was a hella clever <laughs> turns Actually, out no <laughs> the only nation that never adopted boiling nipples for for breastfeeding and stuff is the Polish. Wait, 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 wait. They boiled the nipples? Not, no. Yeah, well, yeah, because it hurts too much when they boil the nipples. Nipples? But you're supposed to boil the... the For, like, the bottles? Yeah, yeah. the bottle yeah. nipples. But but the Polish people boiled I wanna, their own. They boiled their own. Your dad was making I wanted a, to... It's I hot to in that. here, and every time you say boil, it gets even hotter. Boil, Go ahead boil, and redo boil, it, boil. No, it's not even worth it, dude. <laughs> All right. So, basically... I killed it the first time. <laughs> the thing basically, that, well, the joke is, why don't Polish women, you know, why don't Polish women breastfeed? Because it hurts too much when they boil their nipples. <laughs> oh, good lord. It's been a long time yeah. since I've heard a Polish and show. there goes our Polish audience right there. <laughs> All one of them. All that one person. Bye. Well, why don't we go ahead and take a quick musical break. When we get back, we'll go ahead and talk about the art of... But but one more thing. But yeah, one more thing first. About nipples or... No, no, about Cooper. Okay. I, I don't really respect the fact that when Cooper died, no one gave like any shits about him. Until Frank came, or um, Bill came, and he's like, what happened to Frank? Oh, he's dead. It so was they just sort of glossed a, over that, or what? It, no, it was more of like, it was in the heat of the moment, he it, kind of gets whacked off. Or, <laughs> <laughs> he kind of gets okay, killed. I'm going to finish this book now. <laughs> i got to go back and finish now. He gets now. whacked off so hard, he has a heart attack. <laughs> yes, and dies. Oh, um, no, he, he kind of gets, he gets killed. And um, somebody takes his rifle and starts shooting at the good guys. And they're like, crap, we got to get out of here. So uh, that's part of the whole reason. They're kind of in the middle of a firefight when he gets killed. Mm. Plus, how do they know he's dead? Besides the fact that he starts, um, Scorpion starts shooting at them. Well, that's exactly how they know. (laughs) He starts shooting at them. So it's coming from where the sniper is and he's missing. Yeah. Maybe he went to go take a pee. Like. They don't have another person. They don't have a spotter with them. It was just Colt. You couldn't take a bee in the Old West. It was a Or Cooper, sorry. Yeah, man. Scorpions would stab you on your 
Yeah, exactly. You had, to, you had to boil your pee first. You had to boil your pee. <laughs> boil your pee. Yes. Polish never got it. That's Just how I want to die. Tons of men walking around with giant bladders dragging behind them. <laughs> we never urinate. The old west was weird. Why are you so yellow? <laughs> we don't ride horses. <laughs> All right. Now we'll go ahead and take a quick musical break. When we get back, we'll talk about the art of the guns of Shadow Valley. Back to Four J's and a comic and geek life. We're talking about the guns of Shadow Valley. Let's talk about the art. Well, okay, all right. So first, I want to talk about a little bit about the the actually the, the color and the painting. And I, I really dig that rough painterly quality that the digital colors have. It's like a welcome change, really, from the fuzzy soft fade that's just overused all the time. We we see it a lot in independent comics. We see it a lot in web comics especially anybody that's doing their colors not you know traditional style with uh, you know pen paper and all that sort of stuff but they're actually doing it on the computer so much of the time you get this just soft fuzzy sort of look to everything even when something really shouldn't be when it should be uh, you know metallic looking or, or you know have a hard smooth surfaces or something like that and it, it just adds a sort of I don't know. It just takes away from the, the the believability of the world, and this is nice. It has this sort of painterly brush strokes sort of quality that you can see through there, and it, it reminds me of maybe like looking, you know, at the comic through maybe like a dirty lens or something, or maybe like seeing a scene through some rain or something like that. It's almost like a like an impression of a scene instead of you know hyper detailed or you know cartoony or whatever. It's it's nice. It has a cool look to it. I just think it looks really well drawn, and I'm yeah. amazed by things like this. Where you have a dust cloud with the word boom overlaid on top of it, and boom is hollow, and it's got white text. I'm like, how the hell do they do that? You just use white and draw it over it. Oh, okay, well, that's the <laughs> magic for me. The only thing complaint I had, even though it's the Wild West, I felt like it was a little bit brown. It was very se- And you know what? Actually, no. You don't want to take that back, because it just dawned on me that it's somewhat sepia. It is. It's, it's totally it's sepia. sepia. Which is really actually pretty brilliant, if you think about it. There was some depth of thought there to that whole process. Oh, the, the palette is very carefully chosen. Yeah. And, and actually, some of the scenes, they have a very green sort of color to them. Some of the scenes have an... an Oh man, the, right in like I think it's the first issue when the sheriff is coming into the bar and he's backlit against this incredible sunset scene. Yeah. That is yeah. hands down one of the most impressive pictures in the entire book and it's all about the color. It sets this tone, it sets this mood. It's just beautiful. 
and you know it's coming through the window like oh man that's such a good scene it's such a good scene and the action shots are just amazing they're on it is just really dynamic and awesome well you know in, in, what's interesting is like the line art is not normally what i would jump at i normally am a sucker for that inky thick black lines but this has a sort of sketchy quality to it and sometimes that doesn't work very well but this works really well it's just very striking yeah it looks like somebody sat down and like a really excellent artist and said okay you have one minute like tops to bang out this scene just go you know it has that sort of ready set go like fast drawing feeling and because of that it has this dynamism that i think works really really well also something that's kind of unique as far as a print comic for me anyways is that it's made in a landscape format instead of a portrait, which basically means that it's turned on its side. So it's instead of standing straight up, I thought I figured that might be a pain for Mr. John here for finding a good spot to put it in uh, on shelves. Can you just but, point it down? But well, it, it sticks out. Yeah, so. it sticks out. But other than I, that, I, deep... I think it's actually a great way to go because you can make your scenes longer and do more in them. I agree. Yep. agree. Can you just point it down? <laughs> no, it sticks out. That's what she said. Can you, you just, would you just, don't you know the belt trick? You have a problem with your book. Let's go back. You just put it in your belt. What, what Brian was trying to say was while most things are portrait and then you rack them spine out, this one would, would stick out past Lance. the oh, other. Because it's a trade. So you're right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay. Right. Yeah. But I would totally I, be like, what I tend to do with those is I put them on the end, ends alphabetically, so then it's not, you know, hiding Sticking out in the middle. Yeah. yeah, It's cool to have a comic book and read a comic book that is an, in an unconventional format like that. But I think that as, as a comic collector, and I'm sure John could probably agree as a comic book store owner and someone who stocks his own shelves, that it's kind of a giant pain in the ass at all times aside from when you're reading it. Like, it's great when you're reading it. Like, whoa, this is really cool. This is unique yeah. and interesting. And then as soon as you close the book, it becomes a pain in the ass. Yeah, that was kind of my thought was just like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. When I stopped reading, I'm like, this has got to be a problem for John. And, you know, how is he going to stock it in his store? Luckily, it's pretty thick. Mm. Yeah. As opposed to like 300, which was this format and really thin. Yeah. So you'd have to put a couple together to... Now, is the printed version uh, hardbound like yours here? Yes. Okay. So there is not a softcover version? I'd... Not yet. I don't know. Are they looking it. at doing that, though? I don't know. Generally, things that they print in this format stay in hardcover. I know that 300 did. You know, DC has done yeah. some some World of Warcraft graphic novels like this, and they did them both hardcover mm -hmm. and softcover. So possibly. But Marcus, did you notice that they don't really have anything close to conventional gutters for the comic? I'm noticing that right now. Isn't that neat? It's, what is a gutter? A yes. gutter would be basically the space in between the panels. I like that they didn't do that. And I like the way that in some of the panels, the words were part of almost part of the background as to imply perhaps a whisper of a time gone by. I really thought that was cool, especially in the coyote and the crow and the coyote. The, the, crow, the, crow, the crow and the coyote, coyote story towards the end of it. And then the eagle, like yeah. how the eagle comes in. Yeah, the, the layout in this is really cool. Yeah. I think there's cool. a lot of really neat layout, and for it's the most gritty, part, it's, right? It is, and for the most part, it's relatively conventional. They have, for the most part, pretty squared frames, 
in a very easy to read layout. It works very well. They have a couple things where they they have something like a tree or someone pouring some, you know, a beer or something like that, where it kind of that becomes the gutter or the separation line between two different panels. And and that works pretty well most of the time. Sometimes it's a little confusing, but by and large, it's relatively just squared panels. But the layout is really, because of that, very clean, even though the images are very full. And almost yeah. complex in some ways, and but it doesn't end up getting busy. And that's something else I wanted to touch on is that a lot of the time when a comic like this, where they do such detail work on the background, they spare no expense with the backgrounds. They go deep and all this wonderful detail, and it doesn't look busy. The characters yeah. still pop against it. It's still easy to understand what's going on. Things aren't lost in the mix, and that's great. I didn't even realize it until you brought it up, and you know, it almost subconsciously gives it even more of an old-timey feel totally. the way that it's designed. It looks like designed. a bunch of, like, you know those 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 funny sort of Wild West-themed pictures you can take at, like, theme parks and stuff? It looks like Where they're kind a of photo book just edge. full of those, right? Kind of, yeah. You guys have one of those pictures in your house, Justin? Yeah. I might have made straight lines if it were mine. I yeah, know, yeah. It adds to the feel, but I, I, I like things being clean and, and precise and... If it were mine, I, I might have made straight lines, but I can't even really say, you know, how that would have turned out without seeing it on the page. Well, I think I think that it's just it goes along with the sort of painterly brush sort of style. They they absolutely have complete comfort with showing you the brush strokes. His gutters, Malaman's gutters would have been, you know, if you think about it, maybe they should have been celery sticks and pretzel sticks and. <laughs> Mm. big old dicks well one of the things i I wouldn't go as far as to say that one of the things i did like specifically about the gutters is that even though they are squared and traditional for the most part as far as the general sort of thumbnail type layout from that sort of level of perspective they don't have the defined sharp lines and they are basically imagine like when someone is painting and they just stop and there's that sort of uneven like end of brush strokes at the end you know, like if someone's drawing, making a picture, doing a painting of some yeah. kind, and where they just sort of finish at the edge, and oh, there's no chalk. hard stop. It's very cool. It has that sort of painterly kind of look. And it it has an uneven quality, but at the same time, it's still, you know, if you kind of pull back, it looks like a straight line. It's very clear that it's a gutter and separating between the different frames. It works good. Speaking of horse dicks, um, there's a lot of really great camera, ang- camera angles used here. And one of my favorites is uh, in the chase scene that they're chasing the carriage and it has the kind of an undershot of the two horses that are chasing the carriage. Yeah. And that's so amazing as an artist, I would have been freaking out thinking like, do I, do I silhouette horse dicks in this or do I just get rid of them? And it was handled very well. So <laughs> they definitely know how to handle so, the horse. Dicks. Bravo. Bravo. All right. The well, shit that I guess we can me. get out of the gutter now. I do have one minor. <laughs> you don't want to horse dicks? No, not the um, horse dicks. I think we've just talked about gutters long enough. It's <laughs> I have one kind of nitpicky complaint, which is the lettering. It would be incomplete, the podcast, if Brian didn't have a nitpicky complaint. That's right. That's how I roll. So Um, let's hear it. It's the lettering. So the font that they used works fine and looks good, but like looks good on a computer screen or larger. But I have like a seven and a half inch tablet and it was hard to read on that thing. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I would agree. You just have to zoom. Yeah. But, yeah, but when you're reading a comic book, you don't want to zoom. Yeah, I mean, it's hard and, enough it, to not be able to see the whole page. Yeah, you have to scroll it. When all. I emailed everyone, I told, I put it there in the yeah in the email because I just, I originally started reading the PDF on my iPad, 
and then I put it on my 20 inch screen and it was like night and day. So, I mean, yeah, I think it was, it was meant for, yeah, I think web. it was definitely meant for a widescreen, you know, computer, yeah. computer monitor. Well, as you said, it started out as a web comic. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was just something that because I started reading it on my tablet, I think I didn't actually read it on the computer until my second go around, but it was just kind of hard to read and I had to zoom in. It it's so funny annoying. too, because we tend to read the portrait layout comic books, which is the more conventional way for yes. a comic book to look on our tablets. And it works really well. It zooms in and basically you fit the width and then you scroll down and it works really well because you get a pretty good sort of zoomed in look. It's almost the size of an actual comic book. Page. And generally, and generally pages are about, when they do a conventional comic, generally it's about a third, a third, a third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that really works well when you zoom to the width, because about a third of the page fits on your tablet screen. That However, with this, it doesn't really work that yeah, way. It, 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 I didn't in the widescreen. I, I kind of was. I was okay with it being small. I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. I do see what you guys are talking about. Well, it's it's not like it ruins the experience. No, not at all. But it, I think that more than anything, the takeaway that our dear listeners should get from this is that this is best read either in on a the paperback book, form yeah. or on PC. Yeah, or on PC. So we've been talking about the art. Do you guys have any final thoughts about the art before we wrap up? I liked it a lot. I'm, like not, the, I'm not very technical nah. like you guys, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed the gutters and I enjoyed the painterliness. If you like his artwork, he did a book with Steve Niles of 30 Days of Night fame. Yeah, yeah. Called um, Breath of Bones, which is about golems. Oh, cool. Ooh, that might yeah, be really cool. Oh, very cool. that's him? That, that's him. Oh, man. That's a beautiful book. Yeah. Really beautiful book. Okay. Let me ask you a question, John. <laughs> Early in the podcast, this for our podcast, you had mentioned talking about backing Rucka's webcomic. And I remember very clearly looking at that a long time ago. When we first, Where, did whatever our first came podcast. Yeah. yeah. Where, I, where is that at? I got my book um, about a month ago after a year. And it's it's cool. It huh. it, it looks Just very like much this. very much like this. So and, is it not uncommon for Kickstarter stuff, especially the big giant trades, hard covers, all that kind of stuff, to take almost a whole year? Rucka is I'm waiting on two right now. Is very apo really? very apologetic about how long it took to get out. They had no idea how long it'd take printing and fulfillment, and it's just him and his wife doing the fulfillment, and there was like thirty thousand orders. Human latency. You know, and what's freaking people out now is that people who aren't doing their rewards in a timely matter are not also updating their uh, Kickstarter pages. So right. people aren't getting their products and they're also not having any communication with the creators. And so people are getting nervous. And so Kickstarter now has now changed their policy on not fulfilling um, projects in a timely manner. So they're basically asking creators, if you can't do it, to return as much money as possible to the backers and but they don't have to right no they don't have to the the, the creator but, can basically say i have the money but thanks. kickstarter is you guys also, be like thanks nah but kickstarter is also saying that also we're not going to protect you legally if these yeah. guys want to sue you that's on them and we're considering you're having um any sort of campaign on our, on our website and people giving you money as a binding contract yep I think that a lot of the time people think, Kickstarter, that's a great way to fund my stuff. Woo! And they sort of stumble through making something, and then they have absolutely no understanding of the skill sets and the finances and everything that's involved in making a proper Kickstarter campaign happen in a timely fashion and to have you come out the other end with the money you need to get done what you need to get done and to fulfill all of the backing 
rewards. Well, it's a very challenging, complicated. Issues. Well, we what? have let someone in here issues. who did successfully fund a Kickstarter. I'm 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 one for three right now. I've had three campaigns and I've been successful once. But the one that did get funded, how long did it take you to fulfill all the rewards? Uh, it didn't take me very long because I only had eleven backers. I lucked out. I really, really did. I had one backer in particular who was like, "Here's a thousand dollars." And then that was the first issue of Malaman, basically. So because of that guy, I'm up through issue five now. But mostly that guy on his own. Because without him, I would have been in the vicinity of 700. And then I I would have been 300 shy of my goal. And it would have never got funded. And I would have never printed issue one, which means I would have never gone on to issue two, three, four, and five. And I wouldn't be ready to do my trade paperback at the end of the year. Speaking of, you can find Malaman Comics at IndiePlanet.com. Both in digital and printed format, if you are looking to purchase it, which you should do yourself a favor. You can actually read it. Issues. You can actually read it for free, uh, at least a small part of it, on Tumblr at malamancomic.tumblr.com, or just come into Waterfront Comics and buy it here. Yes, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. and soon California. All right, I'll, I'll vote for that. <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys for coming on the podcast. It was fun talking about this comic. It is a very beautiful comic and it's completely free available online right now but you really should go to waterfront comics in Sassoon, california and pick it up in a hardbound cover absolutely thanks for listening to geek life we always love to hear from our listeners please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions comments and insights anyone interested in becoming a pm contributor visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there music has been provided by air plus recordings links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com Anyone interested in learning more about AirPlus Recordings can go to airplusrecordings.com. This is John from Waterfront Comics, and we will see you guys on the next podcast. Go read some comics. Do it now!